We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with uh, Casey Smith and Peter Lynch. And uh, guys, it's been a whole lot of fun so far. And now we're trying to be a rock star, I guess. Huh? Man, that was one I have not heard yet. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, stick around. Mm-hmm. If you ever listen to the show, as we've already established, <laughs> you don't listen to the show that you are co-host of frequently. I mean... I, how how can I get on anyone else? Hey, I didn't if say you're I don't listen listening. frequently. Saturday I, mornings, ten o'clock, nine twenty. I actually yeah. prefer to, to listen on the podcast format. See there, and so, you even know that you can go to our website and find these shows, record, you know, recorded. Yeah. You can sit and listen. I subscribe on my iTunes. So you how know, about that? It's you can there. even subscribe on. It iTunes. is out there. iTunes. You know, but yeah. there's a lot of content out there. Right? I don't have time for everything. <laughs> well, if you're listening, listen here first. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Not that I'm jealous or anything, but uh, come on, man. Uh, guys, let's move on. We got a question from Stephanie and Amal from Ballground who asked, uh, um, well, it sounds like more of a statement. Our old advisor put us in Ivy High Income Y, a high-yield bond fund. Uh, we knew it was a risky move, but we wanted to grow this portion quickly. Since early 2016, we've rapidly grown this part of our portfolio. Uh, now we're nervous. We want to get out of this and move our money into something safer than a high-yield bond fund, uh, but we're clueless as to what to do. We want strong, stable growth. So people usually don't invest in uh, income, fixed-income type investments for growth. Uh, it's pretty uncommon, but when you do talk about high yield, um, it does have some equity-like or stock-like uh, quality, qualities. So I guess it's not terribly uncommon that you would see somebody, you know, kind of mistaken that. Uh, it, it's it's uh, They do tend to be less volatile than the stock market, um, but they also don't provide you with a whole lot of growth. Now, I was looking at numbers uh, on just the generic high yield market uh, year to date, as you know, we've got uh, we've got a pretty good bit of volatility. The stock market's been whipsawing back and forth uh, year to date at the moment. I think it's down around six percent, a little more. Um, but at the same time, the 20 year Treasury uh, investment, as as uh, you could buy an exchange traded fund TLT is the symbol uh, for a for a 20 year treasury um, <clears throat> it's up about 10 or 11% year to date so you do get you know the ability to make some money in in uh, fixed income if you if you run the duration long enough where it comes out though is Ivy high income is not a bad fund uh, it's rated four stars but that's relative to all the other options in high yield but, you know, it, most people aren't bond traders. They don't understand how the market exactly works. So if you're going to use bonds, we usually say it's just a way to remove the volatility of the stock market. Uh, we prefer bonds over bond funds. 
And, uh, you know, that works into the 10-year rule that we talk about all the time. Any assets that you need within the next 10 years should be in bonds, but individual bonds that mature at a maturity uh, date and uh, value that is relatively close to the amount that you're going to need in that year of retirement. So, uh, you know, when we look at things like that, uh, I'll tell you this, I don't think that it's time to buy a high-yield bond fund, but uh, it's also not uh, you know, a bad idea to be thinking of fixed income, especially if you need it for your spending. All right, we got some questions. If you have questions for us, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, question hotline number one eight five five four two nine nine one six six. The way it works, you call in, you'll get our recording. You uh, ask your question right behind that recording. We play it on the air and answer your question right behind it. You can also call and speak to a human being. The number there is 770-429-9166. It's, by the way, the same number that you would get a hold of Peter or KC. Uh, but if you're calling with a radio question, just ask for the radio show or ask for Kelly Lynn, our producer. She will get your information, uh, including your question. She'll get it to us, and we will answer that as well. Uh, if you prefer, you can email us. DrGeneHensler.com is our email address, D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. And by the way, you can always go to our website, Hensler.com, and find lots of information on taxes, finances, saving, uh, financial planning. Insurance. Insurance. How about that for a show that we've been talking about insurance? There you go. Uh, but broad topics we cover there. If it's more specific, we'd love for you to get in touch with us. We'd like to hear from you. So uh, we've got a question here from James from Marietta. says, I'm 68 and retiring. However, the buyer of my business wants me to sign a non-competition agreement. Is this normal? Yes. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. No. <laughs> I got to tell you, that was uh, if if that was all the show was, yeah. I wouldn't listen either. No, okay. Well, yeah. No, so, uh, you're we'll, bringing us all down, man. All right, we'll give you a little more. All then. right, good. So yes, it is common. Um, you know, obviously, if you think about it, the buyer of your business doesn't want you to go open up shop right next door and steal all the comp- the customers that you just you know sold to him. Purchase, so, yeah. The, um, the client list is a big portion. That's, that's a big usually, of, especially in a service business, but I mean even in a in yeah. a you know manufacturing it's, or whatever. It's, yeah, I mean it's it's uh, an an intangible asset, right? Yeah. One you cannot kick. Yeah. But so, some, sometimes though you can you know procure a little bit of a of a higher price for the non compete you know the, the non compete is not worthless I mean it, it has some value absolutely to it. like so I say it's intangible it is intangible and so it's either kind of can be built into the the price of the sale or you might have some kind of separate agreement that um, that as long as you're not competing then they're gonna give you some set um, agreed upon amount of compensation for that yeah and what you also see quite often is not only a uh, non-competition or non-compete as we usually call them uh you'll also see quite often that the the new owner will want you to work there uh, for a stated period of time so it it shows a transfer uh, uh you know you're putting your uh, seal of acceptance on the new owner. Um, you're trying to make sure that the transition is smooth. Less and disruption is, to your, yeah. you know, employees, to your customers, to your suppliers, all, right. all of those different elements. So. Exactly. And and while we're at it, why don't we talk just a smidge about uh, intangible assets. Now, if you go get a loan 
to buy a business, it's really hard for the bank to say, okay, I'm going to give you, um, we'll just use round numbers, $500,000 for this business when all I see in assets is 100000 Yeah. So the difference between the 100000 and the 500000 is intangible. Yep. And what does that mean and how do you come to that conclusion? It's it's actually, you know, beyond just looking at the assets. You can you can go out and get a value on assets, even used assets. You'd find in the marketplace somewhere the fair market value where they're for sale or where you've seen transactions that they have been purchased in in uh, recent times. Right. But the difference between the tangible those things you can kick and the intangible those things that you can't is things like we're talking about here, the business uh, right. client, the client list, list. Uh, maybe it's Brand. patents sometimes, right. goodwill. Um, goodwill. Now, goodwill is, is a bit different, but, uh, you know, that's that's the excess of a business that you might have purchased. Uh, and the reason that it was an excess is because it's, you know, the value is, is uh, more than any of the assets or any of the identifiable assets that could have been previously identified. Uh, but, you know, the intangible piece is, hey, I can generate more money than just to pay off that 100000 in assets. Right. I, I generate the future more income. income stream. Exactly. Yeah. It's the present value of the future income stream. This is just like we talk about if you're looking at a stock. I mean, how often do you Precisely. see a stock trading for the value of its assets or book value? Never. How about never? If you do, then I'll tell you, insurance good. companies are relatively close to that. But right. think about what their assets are. Yeah, they're financial assets. They are. It's it's a bunch of bonds. Yeah. They they buy bonds and stocks to offset the risk of their payouts that they're going to have to make over time. Anyway. There is a huge difference, and don't be surprised if somebody asks you, hey, uh, how about while you're selling me this business that you don't take all my clients? <laughs> it uh, just it makes sense. Totally, yeah, it does. It totally. Does. All right, uh, we've got another question we'd like to answer here. Julia says, I was listening to your show, and um, I think it was a few weeks ago when someone said in passing that he wished clients could see their after-tax reports. I'd like to know more. My husband is one of those never sell and capital gains people, uh, anti-capital gains people. Uh, I am from the camp of sell at the top, take the gains off the table. How do I see how we're doing after taxes are paid? Yeah, it's a good good question. I think I was the one that uh, mentioned that I wish clients could see their after-tax statements. You know, so a uh, couple of different meanings to that. I mean, in a in a retirement account any dollars that you take out of that account are taxable at your ordinary income rates. So regardless of what kind of asset it is, if it's a stock, if it's a bond, if it's cash, you pull it out of an IRA or a 401k account and you pay tax at whatever your marginal federal and state tax rates are. So you're saying that looking at my 401k um, statement at the end of the month, that it says I'm, I've got a thousand bucks. I'm not a thousand there. You're not a thousand air. Wow. You're like a 700 air probably, wow. or something thereabouts. Yeah. It's, uh, so, so you're saying that tax comes out of tax the money. Tax comes out of the money. So All after right. taxes, it's really worth you know maybe the 25 to 40 yeah. percent, depending on what tax bracket you're in. The amount less that's spendable than, is definitely less. Correct. Yeah. Now in a taxable account or an after-tax account, like a brokerage account or just a you know regular savings account, what have you, those are the tax is a little bit different. So yep. you have Capital gains tax, which is built up and accumulated in those investments over time, probably, uh, or losses that could be in there. But 
you know, if you added up all your gains and losses and you had your kind of net cumulative unrealized gain or loss, and then you applied a tax rate to that, which is for capital gains, 15% federal, unless you're in a, a higher income bracket, it could be 20% federal. Um, so or it could be zero, cases, I guess. More favorable than ordinary income tax. Most yeah, cases, yeah, usually. exactly. Um, and so you know, we explain this to clients a lot. And, and just a quick example, if you have a stock that you bought for $5, or excuse me, you bought for $1 and it's worth $5. So you have a $4 gain. Your tax on that is 60 cents, right? 15% of, of $4. So you'd be, it'd be worth three forty after taxes. You know, to me, would you, would you be willing to sell something for $4 more than you paid for it and get three, $3 and 40 cents back? Yeah. I mean, Probably, you yeah. got to give the government their piece, but the end of the day the government always gets paid yeah every single time absolutely well the thing you got to know is um you know there there is a tax you're never going to see a custodian that puts the after-tax amount on it often they don't even know what your tax rate is my wife is going to be so disappointed to know that she's not married to a thousand day i gotta tell you <laughs> i say the markets are up again this week the markets up there we go thanks for listening to money talks we'll catch you next week All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.